a great presence of the Lord that we are blessed with here this morning. I never, ever want to diminish what God does. To, to be in His presence, for Him to come, and for Him to be with us here in such a marvelous way. Amen. Thank you so much. And like to say uh, welcome to our visitors today. Uh, we have Levi with us, him and his son, I believe, for the first time here. So good to have some of the others back with us, Alex and family, and Larry and Julie. And our newlyweds, of course. Good to have them with us. One of the, uh, one of the funnest, I guess, uh, weddings that I've ever had an opportunity to officiate. Of course, uh, Sister Alma uh, is deaf. She cannot speak. So we had a, uh, an interpreter, Shelly. She was sitting on the front bench. And so as Alma and Herman were doing their vows, then I would say something, and then Shelly would tell uh, uh, Alma, and then Alma would do this. <laughs> it was great. Right. Yeah, we got through it and had a great time. And they really are just a wonderful, wonderful couple. They are a great couple. All right, amen. And I want to say thank you for all of the uh, birthday greetings and well wishes and for the little cake and uh, stuff that we had after our business meeting. And by the way, we had a great business meeting Wednesday night. Big thank you to Sister Smith, our business manager. We had a great time. And the bestest part of my birthday was I had an opportunity to spend a couple of hours with my oldest grandson and going and buying a brand new catcher's glove. So that was one of the best parts of everything. Amen. All right. Praise God. And uh, do remember, I think they announced prayer meeting tonight, 5.30, so do remember that. And uh, Brother Colton, thank you for presenting those Bibles and yes. baptismal certificates. And we, don't, we want them to come in and be a part of us and grow. And I wonder what those young men can become Amen. in the kingdom of God. Amen. All right, so this morning I'm going to call your attention to the book of Mark, chapter number 6, and we're going to read 30 through 38. And, uh, amen, what a, what a great uh, story this is. Right. Here we go. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told Him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come with me yourselves into a desert place and rest a while. In other words, he's saying, Come on, man, let's get away from this thing. Let's, let's, go, have a, let's go have some R&R. &R. 
For there were many coming and going, and that they had no time, leisure, even to eat. That's how busy their day was. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately, so hopped on the boat, you know, hopped on the yacht, fixing to go have a little R&R on the beach. And the people saw them departing. Many knew Him, and they ran afoot. Now, kind of struck me a little odd, because I don't know about you, I've never seen anybody run running other than on their feet. So, <laughs> But anyway, they took off running after them. Notice it. They ran after them out of all the cities and came together unto Him. And Jesus, when He came out, saw all the people. He was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And He began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, His disciples came unto Him and said, This is a desert place. And now the time is far past. In other words, it says, Hey man, we're out here in the middle of nowhere and it's getting late. 36. So, He said, they said, Send them away. It's late. Send them away that they may go into the country round about, into the villages, buy bread so that they can have something to eat. And He answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said unto Him, Really? Shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? And verse 38, He saith unto them, How many loaves have you got? Go and see. When they knew, they said, five loaves and two fishes. And so I would like to speak to you this morning on this side. Actually, kind of two titles. I didn't know which one. I had to get the one in there, but they both fit. What is in your lunchbox? Or hungry for a miracle. Oh, yeah. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to ask our good elder, Brother... Jonathan, if he would lead us in prayer, and I would like to say, Sister Reyes, is she still here? Okay, we have missed you, and we are so glad that you are well enough to make it back here. Amen. Brother Jonathan, if you'd be so kind as to lead us in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your presence here today, your compassion and your mercies. Lord, we ask you now to feed us of your bread, the bread of life, that we might be sustained in our spiritual walk. Lord, that we can face these days that we're in with your confidence, with confidence in you, and the knowledge of your presence and power to deliver. Anoint today your message and your messenger in Jesus' name. We Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. The feeding of the five thousand is the only one of the 35 miracles of Jesus' ministry that is recorded by all four Gospel writers. All right. That should tell us something, huh? Mm-hmm. It caught all four of their attention. 
Now, you do have the story, believe it or not, here there's a story of Peter slicing off the high priest servant's ear that is recorded in all four, but only one, Dr. Luke is the only one that tells us that Jesus touched his ear and healed him. But the feeding of the 5,000, every one of the Gospel writers brings it out very, very vividly. little bit of variance, but it caught all of their attention. And according to Wilmington's Guide to the Bible, which that's a suggested uh, reference book, by the way, if you don't have one, but it, this miracle is listed as the 19th of the 35 miracles. And the first miracle, as Jesus enters into His third year of ministry, which has been referred to as the year of opposition. All of the characters share a common denominator in this story. It was late. They were exhausted from the day's events. And they were hungry. Now, I, uh, I don't remember growing up as a kid in elementary school, right? Grades 1 through 6. And I, probably the rest of you, you could tell the same story. But I don't remember of ever having a lunch pill, Okay. We carried sack lunches, brown paper bags. Maybe it was because we didn't have any money, but I don't know. That's just, you know, the way it was. And uh, milk, those little milk cartons, you, when you went to the lunchroom, you could buy one for three cents or two for a nickel. And if you so desired, you could buy a hot lunch for a quarter. That was in 1960, folks. Now, however, I have had the privilege of packing school lunches many times the last few years for three very special kids. <laughs> I'm not joking, all right? I'd show up at their house. They would tell me. In fact, they would tell me. They'd say, Papa, you better be here by 7 o'clock. Because, and they were supposed to pay me 25 cents a month, but they never did. Okay? And if I was late, they said, Papa, you owe us 25 cents. All right? Now, that's a true story. Devin's back there shaking his head, oh boy. And uh, I can tell you that we had a fun time. Now, Brian was already gone, you know, he goes to work at 6 o'clock in the morning. Autumn's getting ready for work, and uh, we have, I tell him, I say, all right, get your lunch pails on the, you know, on the counter, and pretty soon Cooper starts chucking pepperonis at me, and Devin starts throwing something at me, and we bounce it off the walls and try to make it hit the lunch. Autumn said, what are you guys doing out? Just back a lunch. <laughs> My kid, we had fun, huh, Devin? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we know the fun as kids 
inside the cafeteria, sitting at the table with your best buddies. How many of you remember those days, huh? Sometimes deciding the person sitting next to you has got a better lunch than you do, so you go into food negotiations, right? Bargaining. All right. I mean, who likes peanut butter and jelly sandwiches all the time? Or if you're like Cooper, who wants, who wants just a piece of bread with nothing on it? <laughs> right? Who eats pancakes with nothing on it? I mean, pancake sandwich. I kid you not, this last morning I had a waffle with nothing on it. Yeah, of course, you're weird too. Right? Or, better yet, maybe when, you know, when those uh, supposedly watch people, the, you know, the teachers, whoever overlooking the lunch rooms, when they turn their head a little bit and you know, you, you throw a biscuit, you know, over your head and nobody sees it. And then sometimes, you know, what starts to fly, they, it's called a food fight. I don't know if you ever had any of those. But, but I'm quite sure none of these things took place in our Bible story this morning. But I want you to know that that young boy with the lunch... He becomes the hero of the day. He becomes the hero of the day. Now, let me, here, here's it, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but I want to bring us into the, the, the stage, the setting of this miracle. Okay, there are different characters. Number one, there's the twelve apostles. Twelve apostles... Amen. They woke up very excited about their day. You know why? Because they could not wait to meet the Lord and share their experiences of the mission that they had just came off of. Okay? You read it. It's true. They had just came off of their mission. And the Bible says that they couldn't wait to meet the Lord in that prearranged meeting place because, man, did they have some stories that they were going to share. The Bible says about what they taught and what they done. They were tired. They knew they still had a bit of a walk to get to their prearranged meeting place. And they had no idea that the end of the day they would be ministering to ten to fifteen thousand people. Hello. And then there was the crowd. What the apostles did not anticipate was there were crowds of people in the towns that they had been visiting, that had been touched by their message, and they had decided to follow them to where they believed they were going to meet Jesus, the one whom they had been telling them about. Right. 
And what they did not know is that before their day ended, that they would be a part of the greatest, one of the greatest days in history, a part of a story that would be repeated millions of times over a period of 2,000 years. And then there was Jesus. He wakes up early with excitement knowing it's going to be a long day, but He is going to minister today to a lot of hungry people. And in fact, this would be His greatest miracle as far as the number of people that He would minister to at one time. You don't think he was excited? You don't think he was anticipating? Because he knew that he was bringing everybody together because he was going to do something that there there would never be another moment like that in history. It would also, they tell us, it would be a turning point in his ministry because at the end of today's events, there would be a large group wanting to crown Him as their King, and He knew when He rejected them that some would turn away from following Him. And then, there was this young boy. This young boy woke up early, packing his lunch, getting ready for an exciting day at school. This young boy had no idea that at the end of the day he would become a hero, a spiritual legend who would become the key person in one of the greatest days ever recorded. All right. So the stage is set. Jesus is waiting for his 12 apostles to meet and give their report. Unfortunately, while he's waiting, he receives word of the fate of John the Baptist. He knows he's going to have to tell the twelve this, but he decides he will listen to their exciting stories from their mission first. From a short distance, he sees a group of men coming his way. He recognizes those are his twelve but not too far behind them, he sees a, a, a much larger group following at a distance. And they, he looks out and he sees there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that are following those twelve. Mark chapter 6 and 30, so the Bible says, that then the apostles gathered to Jesus They told Him all the things, both what they had done and what they had taught. They were on fire. You imagine the sons of thunder getting back from their mission? Jesus had given them authority prior to the church age, folks. He had given them authority to heal the sick, cast out devils. And it had worked. And they came back and said, Lord, you're not going to believe what took place in this town. 
Then because so many people were coming, this avalanche of people just, they were coming by the thousands and Jesus looked out there and the Bible says then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't have a chance to eat, He said to them, come on now, we got to get out of here for a while. We need a break. You guys need a rest. We need to get away from this. He says, come on, we need to hop in this boat, man. We need, to, we need to go to a quiet place and get some rest. So they hopped in a boat and made their way to whatever, that nice quiet beachfront property, if you will. But here's the problem. The Bible says that those people, those 5,000 people, if you will, 5,000 men, okay? Not counting the thousands of little kids whom this little boy happened to catch. Well, and he skipped school that day because he seen all the people. He says, what's going on? I know most of you probably never cut school, but I know, I know somebody who did. I won't tell you who, but... And so, the, by the thousand, what they didn't anticipate, the Bible says, get this, that those people that saw them leaving, they recognized who they were. They said, hey man, you ain't going to go anywhere without us. And literally, we're told in Mark's writing that they saw them leaving, they recognized them, and they ran and the Bible says that they got there before they did. They said, like, hey, you ain't getting away from us because we've heard the story and you are the leader of that 12-pack, that half-cake. We're going to be... The Bible says they ran, they ran and got ahead of them. And when Jesus got to the shore, He looked out and He said, oh man... And when Jesus landed and He saw this large crowd, the Bible says He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Luke 9.11 tells us Jesus welcomed them. <laughs> oh, can I tell you, that's always the story. Amen. Right. Luke says Jesus welcomed them and He spoke to them about the kingdom of God and then we're told He healed those that had need of healing. Let me ask you, how long were the lines of 5,000 men plus women and children that came forward that day and received their healing? I'm reading. It's there. Trust me. The Bible says He welcomed Brother Block and He began to speak to him again. He spoke to them and then I don't know how, you know, how service went back then, but you know, somebody touched Peter's shoulder, somebody touched Andrew's shoulder, John, whoever. They said, hey, hey man, 
can you ask, you know, can we go up front and could you have him pray for us? 5,000 men. They say there's probably a minimum of 15,000 people there. How long were the prayer lines? How long did it take? How much time did He spend in teaching them? Trying to give them hope. Trying to give them encouragement. Trying to help them to understand that the One that was going to speak to them that day, He was going to leave an impression upon them that was going to stay not just in their lives, but the words that He was going to spoke in the event that they were going to be a part of would literally carry on through eternity. How long were those prayer lines? The but Lord, we're, we're tired. We just got back from the mission field. Lord says, I know. He says, but look at them. He says, they're coming. He says, you've got to understand that this is going to be the greatest day of your life. How long did it take? How many were healed? How many children suffer the little children to come to me? How many children did mom and dad say, Hey, Lord, you got time? You got time for them? Oh, God. Praise God. What we do know is Mark 6.35, the Bible tells us when the day was now spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is really, Lord, this is a deserted place and the hour is late. You gotta, you gotta let these people go. You gotta send them away so that they can get some food in their bellies. Send them into the villages so they can have, they, they can buy bread because there's nothing to eat and they have been here the entire day, Lord. Shocking. Jesus in verse number 37, but Jesus answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. Really. You see, He was trying to let them understand. You, you know, there is something about that God... He works with people that are weary, that are overwhelmed, but most of all, that they're hungry. Amen. And if He can ever get a crowd of people hungry, Amen. then He can do anything beyond you, whatever you can imagine. He says, you give them something to eat. What they didn't know was he was really saying, he said, hey, you ain't seen nothing yet. He says, you think we're done here. He says, you are about to see. You are about to see numerically, okay, the greatest miracle that I have ever done because this one miracle touches 15,000 people at one time. 
Then we go to John, we pick up the story. John 6, verses 5 and 6. The Bible says, Jesus seeing a great multitude coming toward Him, He said, hey Philip, where can we go to buy bread for these folks? This He said to test Him. For He already knew what He was going to do. He said, hey Philip, how are you going to take care of these people? How are you going to handle this situation? How are you going to feed these guys, man? Philip says, really? Why me? You're asking me this question, Lord? Philip answered him. He says, Lord, he says, I'll give you a little bit of an answer. He says, he says eight months' wages wouldn't be enough to give each one of these folks one bite. Mark 6.38 records Jesus asking how many loaves you got. There's a little bit of a, of a, of a stutter there because the, next, the rest of that, Jesus says, how many loaves you got? Uh, go and see. He says, go check it out. And when they found out, they said, we got five loaves and we got two fish. John's the only one that tells us the bread and fish were discovered by Andrew who found a young lad who had packed five barley loaves and two small fish. One commentary says, believes it would have taken 15 tons of food. Now, this is what my notes read because... Somebody was in my office earlier. <laughs> I says one commentator says believes it would have taken about fifteen tons of food for Devin, Danica, and Cooper because they're tired and exhausted. It's late in the day because it's been quite a day at the trampoline park. <laughs> it's all right. That's what they do to me. And so here it is. Andrew says, well, hey, he says, we got a, we got a kid here and he's got, he's got five loaves. He's got five loaves and two fish. Now, barley loaves was the poor man's food, okay? If you were eating barley bread, you were like, because wheat bread, you know, was the going thing. If you're having to eat barley bread, you, you know, it's like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. That all you got? So it's late in the day. They're totally exhausted. And they're hungry. And there's about 15,000 people out there. Philip and Andrew are doing the math. And it's not coming out right. But what they don't realize, it, it's God's law of multiplication that is going to absolutely blow their minds that day. All right. He says, make them sit down in groups of 50s. That would be a hundred groups of people sitting on the lawn wondering what in the world was going to happen now. They'd already heard... They'd already 
been, you know, who knows how many of them had already been healed, and now it's late, the sun's going down, and they're saying, hey, everybody just get in groups of 50 and have a seat because I don't know what's going to happen, but something's supposed to happen. And then the word starts going around. Well, they're going to serve lunch. Lunch is served during this seminar. Howard, where's lunch going to come from? Going to take, what did you say, 15 tons of food? That's a lot of, that's a lot of food. But watch this. Now we don't know. We don't know if this young. We don't know how old this young boy is. We don't even know his name. We don't know if they had to bargain. You know, if they said, "Hey, dude, you know, kid, car, you know, hey, I'm Andrew, you know, and we got a problem up here, and the Lord's wondering how many bread you got. Anything? Can you hit? Yeah. Matter of fact, fact, how is it? That this one kid, this one kid, has something that four thousand nine hundred ninety-nine men don't have. Right? How is it that this this young man, this young man, is carrying around something that all who knows? Fifteen thousand? We don't know. How is it this one young man has something that the entire 15,000 others don't have? And somewhere along the line, Andrew convinces him. He says, hey, he says, would you be so kind as to bring what you do have to the Lord? Because I have no idea what he's going to do, but he's asking me to go out and to bring it in. Is it GGs or Fifis? Uh, both, I guess. Fifis <laughs> first, now GGs. Where you go, man? Now, why in the world has that kid got in his lunchbox? Candyland. Candyland. There you go, brother. There's two fish. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind Cooper eats. He's going to settle for two. Yeah, he puts about 40 in his mouth at one time, I think. The bread wasn't, you know, it wasn't a loaf of bread. Okay? It, was a, it was flat bread. It was just little. And the Bible actually says that the fish were small. The fish were small. And he just... Are you guys hungry? I'm playing. I wouldn't need it either, right? There we go. Five loaves. Five loaves, but it's the... I like the two fish. Yeah. I like the two fish. And 
So he opens the kid's lunchbox, and you know, this, you know, the sons of thunder, Peter and Andrew, and the rest of them are like, oh boy. <laughs> right? I mean, okay. <laughs> what are you going to do with that? Oh my goodness. Bible says that he, here's what he did. He took it and he gave thanks. That's what he did. Bible says that he took it and he gave him prayer of thanks. And then he blessed it. And then he began to pray. You, you do, I know we get this, all right, but there is something about when God's people get hungry to be in His presence. And when they realize, when they become aware, I hope you are aware of the lateness of the hour where you are sitting today. Amen. If you are not, you need to pray and you need to ask God to open your eyes. Because truly, we are in a very late hour of the day. But there is something about it that as long as we know that He is with us, He wants us. Oh God, Thank you, Lord. Thank you just for the opportunity to be in your presence with your people one more time. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, of you ministering to me through the spoken word. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity. Because I'm going to believe that you are going to touch me today and that you are going to bring healing to my body, whatever I need. And I am going to thank you. I'm going to thank you no matter what. At the end of the day, no matter how late, no matter how exhausted, no matter how overwhelmed I feel, I am here because I want to give you thanks because you are worthy, because you are God, because you are my Savior. And whatever I, you understand, is it whatever I have to give to Him, whatever, listen to me, listen to me. I know there are those here this morning that you are absolutely, you are exhausted, you feel overwhelmed, you can't understand why in the world. What is going on with this? But I'm here to tell you, 
that whatever that you place into the hand of the Master, that He will bless it. And when He blesses it, sometimes He's got to break it in order to do the greatest miracle of the end time that He wants to do and know. Doesn't come easy. Thank you, Jesus. Doesn't. <laughs> Feed them. Come on, really, really. I'm not. I'm not. You know, Shane, to tell you how difficult it was to get my brain around this message. At the end of the day, I am responsible for what He has placed into my hands. Yes, I can't neglect that, brother Woods. I can't neglect that. I can't. I can't neglect. I cannot withhold my testimony of telling you what He has done and what I have seen and what I have done, what I have taught. And even if it means that I, it feels like I'm that I have no more resources. I am spent. You are spent. We got nothing more to give. He says, "What? What do you have left?" Now, I don't know how, but I'm guessing that the twelve, the Bible says he destroyed, he blessed it, he broke it, he filled the basket, he sent Peter, he says, you forget that, bro. Blessed it, broke it. He gave one to John, he gave one to Bartholomew, he gave this one to this one, this one to it. And they they distributed a hot these people were hungry. There were some kids there that wanted some snacks. They passed it around and they kept it. Jesus didn't move. He just kept breaking it off. Breaking it off. They said, Lord, they're, they're, still, they're still hungry. It's okay. It's all right. There's more where that comes from. How you doing that? Well, you know, I built the universe. I think I can probably keep breaking a couple of steps pieces of bread off here until you all feel that. If I can sit to if I can if I can tilt the earth just slightly on its acid, if I can get it to turn thousand miles an hour, okay, without you falling off and going into deep space. <laughs> he says, I think that, you know, by the time we get out of here today, you're going to know that I love you, that uh, I, when yes. I see those clouds coming, I don't run the other way. He says, I move towards you because I'm here to heal you. I am here to give you hope. I am here to feed you. At the end of the day, when you go home, you're going to be Feel, or I ain't leaving till you are. Yeah. Hallelujah. Those are the 
came back, they went back, came back. There was probably seconds, and hey, this is pretty good stuff. Can I have seconds? Sure, you can have seconds. Can I have third? Yeah, you can. The crazy part was, right? The crazy part was, when everything was said and done, the Lord says, okay, now go back out there and take up the leftovers. Seriously. Yeah. Because you understand that, ooh, you understand that when anything the Lord touches, anything that the Lord blesses, anything that the Lord breaks, you know that it is not just some frivolity. It is absolutely, it has it has the power of the touch of the Master upon it. You don't waste things when it comes to God. He does not give you something just for you to discard and throw on the floor at the end of the day. He says, no sir, you go and get anything they don't want, you bring back to me because we're taking it home tonight. Every one of those apostles went home that night with a basket. Every one of them went home. Because see, he wanted them to understand. Yes, I know. There's going to come a day, it's going to get late. You are going to be so absolutely exhausted. You're going to want to turn people away. You're going to not want to answer the phone. You don't want to answer the text message. You don't want to study. You don't want to pray. He says, but you've got to understand that, that I am fixing to do something in the midst of those people. And when they are hungry, then it causes me to be drawn to them. And I will feed them as long as you are willing to participate. That little boy went home hero. He didn't just go home hero. He went home a legend. He became a legend. He became a legend that has been, that story has been told probably a billion times for 2,000 years. That boy was a legend. Why? Because God wanted to show He wanted to take the insignificant, the thing that we think doesn't matter at all. He says, you just watch me. You watch me take something that you think is of no value. I'll turn that young man into something that will absolutely turn the world upside down. What you got left? There's what I got left. You got to read that whole chapter of John, okay? Jesus becomes very, very almost fanatic. He says, You don't understand. He says, I am the bread of life. He says, I'm the manna that come down from heaven. Amen, amen. More than once. At the end of the day, folks, 
this is the only thing that will ultimately bring you fulfillment. That's right. That's it. Nothing else. I don't care how tasty your food is. In fact, I've got a little saying, but I won't tell you as a crowd. You'd have to come to me as an individual. No matter. Okay? Yeah. It all goes to the same place in the end. Let's put it that way. How rich of a dinner do you think you, you know? Hello? At the end of the day, this is it. Right here. The only thing that will bring you fulfillment at the end of the day, when the hour is like, when you are absolutely, you are so exhausted and you are so spent. There's something. The word of life that just Amen. it doesn't. Oh my goodness, who's this? Is Presented to Kathleen Bogart, the United Pentecostal Church Sunday School Department of Kennewick, September 26. 1972. Wow. 1972. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Whoever that is. Wow. Yeah, I graduated from high school. Trust me, this wasn't in my lunch bucket back then. Come on. Mm-hmm. You understand, folks? Come on. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're in the late hour as you stand. Come on. It's late outside. And listen, I believe that you, I believe that we, I believe that the world, okay, they are starving for a miracle. They're absolutely starving for fulfillment. And what God needs is he needs that person. We're just going to call you all young lads today, okay? Thank you. He needs a young lad to step out and say, hey, Lord, you know, I ain't much. I ain't much, Lord. In fact, I pack my lunches in paper bags, not lunch bells, but I'm telling you what, Lord. If you see something that I have that we could use in order to bring fulfillment to people that are starving, I'm your guide. Amen. Come on. I'm your guide. Come on. I will open this thing and I will give you everything that's that's what it means. Because without the little boy, right? Without the young lad, that day doesn't come to pass. Without the young lad, but Ali, it's just another day of overexhaustion, overwhelming, and everybody's tired, worn out. They just want to go home and take a rest. But if that young lad steps forward, if that preacher can go through the crowd, and if he can say, oh, buddy, <laughs> and yeah, as a matter of fact, he, 
I'm not a big fan of that. Look at this guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> huh? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Where did that come from? You know, I, I, he'd been sitting next to Easton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he's, he's got the full mill bill. The Lord does not operate except through people. And He never asks you. In fact, He never commands you to do something that He does not give you the power to do. Come on. That's right. That's right. That's right. Feed him. <laughs> yeah, right. Hello. I am him. Feed him. But what? <laughs> well, you know. Tell you what you do. You eat some of that bread, and it'll be enough to where you can feed the rest of it. But you got to eat it. You got to taste it. You got to know what it's like. Oh, that's pretty good stuff. Look, you know, know it. That's that's Jessalyn's watch, actually. He, his daughter said it was hers, but it's his. He takes it to New York Life with him. How many believe that you're in that hour? How many of you are hungry? Yes. Are you hungry? Yes. It's the only common denominator that he asked for. Come on. Is that you're hungry. You're hungry, available, and willing. Come on. To give only what you got. That's it. For anything else. Just give him what, what you got. We're going to give you an opportunity this morning. We're going to close and we're going to invite you to the front here if you want to pray where you're at, if you want to come down. I think we have, if you don't feel comfortable without a mask, I think we have some masks uh, out there for you. But listen, I and I know we have to be cautious. We understand that, all right? But please, don't let doubt and fear don't let doubt and fear come between you and what the Lord wants to oh, do yeah. take precautions go in the corner somewhere if you have to Amen. go somewhere but listen but get, get the nourishment that you need from God so when you walk out that door you know that you've been in the presence of God. Would you come today? If you need special prayer, we're here to pray with you, for you, whatever your need may be. But we just ask you to come. Kneel where you're at. Hallelujah. Giving thanks. Giving thanks. Amen. Ask Him to bless you. Ask Him to bless your life. You feel broken today. That's... That isn't always a bad thing because the Bible tells us that that's what He's drawn to.
He's drawn to brokenness and the trite quality. The Bible tells you. He doesn't care about the color of your shirt, tie, shoes. But boy, when he sees you hungry and broken, he says, oh man. He's drawn to you. He's drawn to you. Amen. Lift your, lift your hand. Lift your heart. Let's, let's thank him and let's praise him. Let's ask him to bless us so that we can be a blessing. Let's be a multiplier. Let's be a multiplier here today. I know the math doesn't look good when it, when we compare ourselves to the need of the world, but we're, 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 we're talking about God's multiplication plan. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Bless us, God. Bless us, Lord. Pour out Your Spirit upon us, God. Hallelujah, we pray.